0: Welcome and thank you once again for joining us here on Crunching the Numbers. You have Mark Safoulis and Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, thank you so much once again for joining us.
1: Thanks, Mark. Uh, Hi, everyone. Hope you've had a great week this week.
0: Episode six still coming to you live from isolation. Um, We are here in Melbourne, obviously, and uh, confined to our households. And yeah, obviously, it's still a challenging time for a lot of people. So uh, hopefully you're staying safe and healthy and Uh, Thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, we're keeping a little bit of entertainment and tennis in your life as we continue to fight the battle of the coronavirus right across the world. And um, Shane, today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, you had a great uh, heading for this topic and it was called keeping it real. And obviously, we want to keep it real in our our training and make sure we simulate what we're going to obviously face come match time. Uh, But Shane, what's your thoughts around uh, this topic and why did you choose it?
1: Well, Mark, I'm certainly not going to take credit um, by myself for coming up with the topic. You and I have had a number of discussions in the past uh, about is the practice court broken um, or are we replicating reality in our training sessions and how we can actually use match and training data to try and bridge that gap between training and matches. So an athlete feels more comfortable or more familiar playing a match simply because a match will feel like just another day um, because I've simulated it in training. So my experience, not all, um, but most growing up was that a coaching session would be hit some forehands, then some backhands and a couple of volleys rally with a mate or two or three mates in your squad for about 20, 20 minutes and then hit some serves at the end in the last five minutes uh, every now and again, it would be point-based, but very rarely would it be situational point play. And while I, I felt that it helped me technically on my game, by the time the weekend came for pennant or I was in a tournament, I felt like it was a completely new experience because the reality, pressures, stresses of a match uh, wasn't sufficiently replicated in training. I recall plenty of examples of squads I was a part of where the guys were amazing in training, but struggled in matches. Um, they looked a million dollars in practice, but uh, when it came to the match day, whether it was the wind, whether it was the surface, whether it was the, uh, the ball was different, um, they wouldn't be able to replicate that skill or that uh, form in, in practice in an actual match. So my experience was some time ago so not sure if uh, a lot of this has changed in coaching or coaching philosophy so i wanted to really put that to you given you're uh, heavily involved in coach education Um, but i also wanted to probe this further with you with some tour statistics as context and see if um, as a heading would suggest are we keeping it real in training
0: i I I love the topic and it's actually a topic that I'm going to be doing a presentation on this week on uh, a Global Tennis Summit, which um, you guys can, if you're following our social media pages, you'll, uh, you'll see me put that up hopefully shortly. But um, I'm a really, this is a really big topic for me, Shane, because obviously I do a lot of coach education as well as uh, for Tennis Australia. And one of my big pet peeves about, around coaching is that we're not evolving. Um, as a society, we're not evolving enough with what the game reality is. Now, uh, I'm going to liken it a little bit to um, um, my other job, Shane, working in AFL, so Australian football. And um, in Australian football, we coach in scenarios. So we create the scenario that the match is going to have, and then we find a way to get out of it. In tennis, we generally focus on the skill. Now, this has become a huge issue. Because tennis is not just a skill. It's the ability to adapt under pressure with movement and decision-making to then create a skill under those uh, under those situations. And I feel when we coach a lot of the time, we generally close the drills too much. And what I mean by close it is that we feed the ball too much or we do isolated serving or isolated forehands or backhands. And we don't create a scenario that we need to find a way out of. Um, and, and I feel like um, that's where we need to get better in, in a coaching society is to simulate the game better. And, and the game for us, and we've gone through it in previous episodes and I'm hoping you can bring up some of those numbers again and regurgitate them for our, for our listeners. But some of the things around the zero to four, like, you know, and things around nine plus rallies. I mean, we need to make sure that we are simulating more of what the game gives us and not just getting out there and having high intensity, pointless sessions of rallying up and down the court. So you asked me to rehash the
1: 0-4 shots. Um, It's it's about 68% of overall points. And while our memory uh, probably recalls the nine-plus points because it resonates longer it's usually more dramatic, they're only about 9% of the the points overall. I might add for our listeners, our data includes um, four years' worth of data from most ATP and uh, WTA matches. Um and what is showing us is that the ATP on average, the 631 shots hit during a match. Um and most matches actually range from about 408 shots to 764 shots. For the women, it's about 530 shots, that's the average. And the majority of matches range from 371 to 645 shots. So I might start there with you, Mark. Um are we getting the required number of shots? in a session to replicate, um, reality? And are we tracking it?
0: You know, it's interesting. I think we are. Um, the problem is we're probably exceeding the, the amount of off the ground hitting that we do. So like, uh, you know, I go back to my, the way I was coaching and I've had to evolve as time's going on, but you know, we used to get on court and do a drill called the thousand ball drill as a warmer and a thousand ball drill was rally up and down the court and you might do some down the line. You might do some cross both ways, but get a thousand balls in 30 minutes. Now that was a warm up for the first 30 minutes. And then you look at from the first 30 minutes, then you have a two hour session, you're probably hitting about three f- 3,000, 4,000 balls. So are we exceeding the off the ground stuff and not actually utilizing the serve and the return yeah. in that amount of points or shots hit per point?
1: So just to jump on your point about serves, the, the tour averages um, are 84 serves for men with most uh, matches um, having a range of serves from 57 to 102 serves. Mm-hmm. And for the women, the average is 68, with the majority of, um, um, majority of matches ranging from 52 to 81 serves. Um, and I suppose my question um, from this to you is a two-parter. Are we getting the right amount of serves in practice? And two, if you consider a match, um, you have about six or seven serves, then you return seven, then you have a three-minute break, you serve again, are we setting up our serving and return drills like that?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great point too because we, and in coach education, we see it a lot of the time is it's, um, coaches will go out there and they'll do a couple of drills or be off the ground, you know, forehand, run around forehand and into rallies and into some volleys and then in the last 10 minutes of the, of the session, it's, okay, we'll do some serve. Yeah. And then the coach will put out some cones and it's serve to cones, yeah. which is great. But we know that the, the amount of aces hit, especially junior level, He's not huge. There's always a ball coming back. So are you, as a coach, simulating what's going to happen on the next ball? Are you doing serve plus one or are you doing just serve? Yeah. Um, one of the drills we came up with is we started We're starting to do now, when the server is serving, they do serve plus two and then returner goes return plus one. So they're just trying to put a little bit of pressure on. But we don't play a full point out. We try and focus on those first four or five balls. Yeah. And I think the more you can focus in on that, the match simulation kind of, kind of thing, I think the better that we become as players. You don't want your players to look great in practice and can't play a match. And that's the, 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 the thing that I think happens a lot of the time is we talk to our kids and the kids go, oh, I don't know why, but I play so good in practice and I don't play good in the match. Now, that for me comes down to the coach is protecting the athlete too much in the lesson. And not making the lesson look messy like a match does and then we, we protect them in practice they go to a match and they feel like a fish out of water we have to make sure we simulate what they, the pressures and the decisions they have to make in in training the same way as they are going to have in a match
1: i love your saying reality is messy and i guess in a match um uh, players will find themselves in a hole it's in the, in- inevitable um, for instance, facing a break point or even love 40. Um, so I'd like to ask you how you prepare your players to approach a love 40 scenario from a tactical uh, perspective and, and and how would that be different from, you know, say, starting a game? Uh,
0: again, I think needs to happen more often. We need to simulate that. Now, as a coach, what I try and do when we do match play or match simulation is we simulate scenarios. So we play games where... Um, You'll have two players. on. We might have four players on the court. And this happens a lot in coaching. So coaches might be listening to this and say, but I've always got four on a court. It's very hard to play match play. No, it's not. So what we do is we have two players playing. We have two players waiting off. They play first to get to 30. First person who gets to 30 wins the game. So you might do the start of the game. And then you might go, okay, now we'll flip side on the second set and go, we start at 30 all and it's the first one to win the game. So therefore, you're actually flipping over, okay, I need to start the game well, but then at the critical moments, I need to play the critical moments well. So I feel like in in coaching, we have to simulate scenarios. And that's the one key point I want to get out of this podcast is it's scenario-based coaching. It's not just coaching the skill itself because we need to put the skill under pressure.
1: To put another way, you probably need to work a bit harder on a shot skill if it's not withstanding the pressure and, and, and the best way to do that is to try and replicate that pressure in a training environment and then put your um, skill through the fire um, in that training session. Now I might move back to the rally length categories and you'll notice in our podcast that we do gravitate to this stat a fair bit and it's centered around the fact that most points are in that range and in order to maximize the total points uh, you need to win you certainly need to dedicate a sufficient amount of time and attention to it but going back to that not to four category the the average duration is about 4.1 seconds um, with a lot of points ranging from that one to six second mark if you contrast this with the longer rally the average duration or, or the time per shot to hit. Um, the longer rally shots, it's, it's significantly lower for the 0 to 4 category. So, the, arguably, the intensity explosiveness um, needs to be higher. So, I suppose my question to you, Mark, is what are we doing in training to distinguish this type of um, intensity uh, for this rally category in training?
0: Yeah, and this comes down to how you create your environment. So, what I, I feel happens is that we don't practice the 0 to 4, therefore, we don't have the intensity. We generally practice the nine-plus kind of stuff. Let's rally down the line. Let's rally cross-court. And that needs to be there absolutely, 100%. And I, I had this debate with you before, a little bit before we came on, to talk about that we need that in our game, absolutely, 100%. It's ball feel, it's consistency, it's ball control. We need to have that. And as a coach, if you're not doing that, then there's a problem also. But when it comes to do we want the player to look good or play good, My choice is to play good. So it's get them up to the court, serve big, first strike. Serve big, first strike. What are you simulating as the coach to make sure that these players are getting that high intensity? Um, We do little drills as well, and you can obviously steal all the drills. I don't create all these drills, but you can steal them as much as you want and use them. Where players play a point, and they have to win the point within three shots. So the server has to serve and hit only two more balls to win the point. The, the opponent has to try and keep themselves in the point to try and win the point. So you might have the returner going, okay, I need to stay in the rally. The server going, I need to really strike here. So you have two different flip sides of how you can play. You can, you can teach some different game styles in doing that. Now, the, the intensity is a huge element. Intensity goes up when there's something on the line. Very hard to simulate intensity when you're just trying to keep the ball in the court. You know, now top players can do that. Junior players don't quite understand how to do it. So we need to create scenarios and we need to create time constraints or court constraints that allow us to make sure that our intensity level stays at the match level that we expect.
1: That's such a good point about if there's nothing at stake in training, then you can't simulate reality. And I can say from my experience on a team um, with a couple of players that they actually took practice points seriously. And if, if you talk to a few of the players, they actually keep a separate head-to-head of practice tie breaks and sets. That's how serious they take practice. Um, to end on, I thought it'd be good for you to share our experience with a player this year where we use rally length data, particularly the stats uh, on success or lack thereof, on the zero to four to adjust um, training and to try and generate more success
0: there. And that's obviously something that we did speak about when we spoke, or we co- when I was coaching David um, Nicholas David ionel who won the Australian Open boys doubles um, this year in 2020. We spoke to him about how we're we going to change his game to get a better winning ratio, and we looked at the zero to four point category, and that was our big one. He wasn't winning enough zero to four. And the, and the guy has a, a serve that can clock around the 210, 215, 220 mark as a 17-year-old boy. And I said to him, Why, what's happening here? We're not winning enough zero to four. What I found out was he was either trying to hit the serve at a million mile an hour every single time and it was just going straight in the hitting zone uh, or he was just getting the serve in to start the point and try and win the long rallies. So he wasn't setting the serve up to be able to create Um, create a winning first strike. And that was something that I spoke to him a lot about. And obviously that's changed in the past few months, but we need to obviously, and he said to me, he'd never practiced zero to four points. He'd never practiced serve and set up. He'd never practiced return and set up. And that to me was something that was a big hole in his game. And I think for everyone out there, if you're listening to to this podcast, is practice those scenarios, put your players into that scenario as much as you possibly can. Get them to serve to start every single thing that you do. Get them to return to start everything that you do because that's what the game actually asks us to do. If the game is asking you to do something, we need to simulate that in practice. The game wants us to be good under pressure. The game wants us to make decisions. The game needs us to serve and return every single point. But yet when you go and watch practice, we don't have those elements in our practice sessions enough. So if, if you're walking away from this podcast, walk away with, simulate what the game is asking us to do as much as you possibly can and throw in the other elements around that shane this is a great topic and i think we might delve into it a little bit deeper as well into into coming podcasts because i feel like the the coaches out there and the parents the players need to make sure that everything is revolved around playing those points and when you go on tour The average practice practice warm-up or or practice session pre-tournament, I'll let you in on a secret here, is we go on the court and we go, okay, it's uh, Federer and Nadal having a practice session, and they'll go warm-up, middle, they'll go cross, they'll go cross, they'll go volleys, smashes, warm-up serve, warm-up return. Okay, let's play some points. That's all it is. As simple as it sounds, that is how a lot of the players practice. Um, and if we can get to the point of doing what the top players do, because successfully footprints, they're doing it, they're successful. How about we follow the same suit? So I hope people can walk away with that, Shane. And again, obviously, um, your topic this week was great. We are doing this for the Tennis Summit, which will be on our social media pages. I'll uh, we'll promote that a little bit for for everyone to have a look at and see what uh, what's actually happening in the world. Some really good speakers there, and. Um, You and I are doing a little presentation on that as well. So thanks again for putting in the research. Thanks again for putting in the time. I do appreciate everything that you do. You can find Shane at Data Driven Sports Analytics. It's all over social media. Um, Shane Leonage, obviously, L-A-Y-A-N-G-E, if you didn't know how to spell that, Shane. Uh, But uh, Shane, thanks again for doing all the work that you do behind the scenes.
1: Thanks, everyone. We'll we'll be making some of the data and visuals available on the Tennis Menu and the the data-driven sports analytics social media pages uh, and channels this week. Um, Until next week, see you all and have a great week.
0: Thanks again for joining us here on Crunching the Numbers. That was Keeping It Real, episode number six. You can find me at the Tennis Menu, uh, thetennismenu.com for a lot of development tools. We're on social media as well. Please keep in touch. Hopefully we've uh, put a smile on your face and kept you up to date with all the latest in what happens in the world of tennis. See you next week.